Is everyone saved? If not, can they be? Here with some good news is Pastor Ed. Anyone can be saved, but unfortunately not everyone is. Not everyone believes in Jesus. Not everyone repents. Yet for those that do, for those that have made that decision, you know what happens? You immediately are born again. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. No, that doesn't mean that like your whole life is just going to transform in an instant on the outside. But on the inside, you're a new person. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Some are surprised and others are forgotten that the saving of souls is the heartbeat of heaven. Perhaps you need this reminder. Well, we'll get an encouraging one today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're making our way through the book of Romans and picking up in chapter 15, Pastor Ed gets things started by answering who the gospel is for and who can be reached by it. Well, in the Bible, it's clear you come to the same conclusion as you read through it that anyone can be saved. Anyone. When the gospel message goes out, anyone hearing it can be saved. The gospel message is for everyone. Now, I understand some of you are going, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the guy that committed the, the unpardonable sin, the one that blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Listen, we don't know the hearts of people. And so that's between God and that person. We don't know if you ever cross that line. We don't even need to be concerned about that. We are to be messengers of the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, we can be confident that God wants to save people. That when he has a group of people, when say that you have drawn a box for God, as some people do, just make sure the box is big enough for anyone. Because God wants to save. That's his heartbeat. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to the earth to draw people to himself so that their lives might be changed and salvation would take place. And for the sake of just hearing it and absorbing it, you can jot these down if you'd like, but I'd like to read a few scriptures to you. Truly, we could be reading these types of scriptures all morning if we wanted to, but I just want to lay before you the inclusiveness of the gospel. Now, not in the false doctrine of universalism. You know, there is a doctrine out there, hey, everybody gets saved, doesn't matter what you believe, just be a good person and say you believe in God and we're all going to make it to heaven. Not so, not true. The Bible is very clear. There's no other name under heaven by which someone can be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. And so... Universalism isn't biblical whatsoever. It's a doctrine of man. However, it is important for us to grasp that anyone can be saved. Just listen with me. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you're reading from the old King James, I really like it. It says, whosoever. I mean, aren't you glad? Aren't you? You know what that means? That means that you can be saved. You're a whosoever, you know? That God is reaching out to you. I love that. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Acts chapter 2, verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Romans chapter 10, verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I mean, we literally could be reading all morning of the whosoever passages in the scripture. The beauty of the gospel call going out to anyone. Anyone can be saved. There's no one outside the reach of Jesus Christ. He's come to save all who will place their faith in him. Peter would tell us, and you kind of read these letters personally, Peter would tell us in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, consider that the long suffering of God is for salvation. You ever wonder why, God, why haven't you sent Jesus back yet? Why hasn't the second coming? Hey, the patience of God is for salvation. And as long as Jesus hasn't come back yet, there's room for people to be saved. So what that means for us and a great encouragement is for you not to give up on that husband of yours, that wife of yours, that son, that daughter, that mom, that dad, that cousin, that aunt, that uncle, that neighbor, that coworker, that boss, that enemy. Oh, don't give up on them. The patience of God is the work of God, is the softening of the hearts of men and women by God. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, For this is good and acceptable, this is verse 3, in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is salvation. It is a a picture of a God who saves, who goes to the uttermost to save men and women from their sins. That's his desire. That's his heart. I love this. Again, in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, listen to the heart of God. Listen to this. Say to them, God says, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? It's not, there's no pleasure in God's heart for the wicked to die apart from him. Incredible. Anyone can be saved. But you know, not everyone is. Not everyone's saved. Anyone can be saved, but not everyone is. There's many that reject the gospel. Some of you might even be in that category today. That you've heard over and over again, but your constant response has been to push God away. Anyone can be saved, but not everyone is saved because not everyone places their faith in Jesus Christ. Not everyone has come to that place where they recognize, you know what? My sin has messed me up. It has broken the heart of God. 
I need to confess my sin before a holy and a righteous God. And I need to turn to him and accept the free offer of salvation that's provided to me by Jesus. Not everyone has done that. You can, but you haven't. Publicly repent of your sins. Because that's the Bible word for that, repentance. You know, when you turn from sin, it's really just one turn, two sides to it. The first turn is turning from sin. It's recognizing that sin nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. Not just sin in general, but my sin and your sin. That the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's a recognition like that's not just for them, that's for me, that's my life. And so you acknowledge your sin before God and you turn from it. The Bible word for that is repentance. And it's necessary for a man and a woman to repent of their sins. But in that corresponding turn, you turn from sin and exactly in the same turn, you turn toward God and you embrace the love of God that he's extended to you. And it's necessary that you come to terms with sin, that you respond to the conviction of sin in your life and surrender your life to Jesus. Anyone can be saved, but unfortunately not everyone is. Not everyone believes in Jesus. Not everyone repents. Yet for those that do, for those that have made that decision... You know what happens? You immediately are born again. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. No, that doesn't mean that like your whole life is just going to transform in an instant on the outside. But on the inside, you're a new person. And immediately as a new creation in Christ, God begins to work on the inside, transforming us and changing us, the Bible says, into the likeness of Jesus. You become more and more like Jesus. There's an instant spiritual transaction that takes place. You and I, we become a part of the family of God. From every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, God is saving people and placing them into the family of God, into his church. Now, we at Calvary here are a local group of believers. We're a small part of what God is doing in the world today. We're a small part of the body of Christ we're a small cross-section of the work that God's doing throughout the world today. He's doing it right here in the metro area. This church, you've become a part of this fellowship family. And you know, you've come from many different backgrounds. Because that's how God saves. He saves people where they're at. Many different backgrounds, many different upbringings, your ethnicity, your gender, your financial status. There is so much diversity right here in this room because God saves from every strata of society. It's important to grasp that. And when God saves, he, got, he saves people where they're at and he brings them right into the family of God, into his family, adopts them in. And then the church becomes very diverse, filled with differences and different types of people coming from all different types of walks of life. And it's important for us to recognize this. Now, sometimes there are folks that when, when they go to school and they, they, they have this desire, this passion to plant a church, that many people are taught, those church planters, to go out and they have this great desire, I want to plant a multicultural church. I want to plant a multi-generational church. And I want this kind of church and that kind of church. But you know, the Bible's clear. The Bible is clear that the local church will represent the community in which it's in. That's a healthy church. A healthy church is one that looks like the community that it's in. So if you go and it takes you into planning a church in a multicultural area, guess what? You're going to have a multicultural church because that's just the community that you're in. 
You happen to find yourself in another part of town where it's multi-generational, then guess what? Your church will reflect the heart of God in being multi-generational. Those types of things we don't need to worry about. What we need to be concerned about in the church is keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ and loving the people that God brings before us. But this is the problem with multi-anything in the church is that with great diversity comes great challenges. When you've got a lot of people from different walks of life, friction can happen very, very quickly. There can be great difficulties when you have a church family that is filled with all sorts of differences because for some it's not so easy to embrace differences in other people. Something that God needs to teach us and grow us through. And so even though there's great diversity among us, it's very important for us to be on the lookout for challenges, for friction, for judgmentalism. Paul's already taught about that in Romans. He's already talked about differences between, between races, the Jews and the Gentiles. We're going to see that in a moment. He's already talked about differences between the stronger believers. Remember, they were looking down on the weaker ones. You guys aren't mature enough. And then the weaker ones were looking down on the stronger ones because they weren't patient enough. And there was strife between legalism and freedom. And the church in Rome, very much like our church, even though we're separated by time and by culture, the church in Rome was very much like our church, a church of great differences and diversity. And so Paul has direction for them and for us. Picking up here in Romans, I'll draw your attention to verse 7. We finished verse 6 last week. We pick up right where we left off, verse 7. Notice, he gives a very matter-of-fact command and instruction. He says, therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. That word receive, you might want to mark it. It literally means to receive someone with a special concern for them, like you really want to receive them, that you really want to accept them. That your heart is sent. You're not just doing it because you have to. You're doing it because you want to. You're receiving one another in the Lord. How? The way that you were received. Aren't you glad you were received by Jesus Christ? I mean, you go through a life of pain and sorrow and difficulty, whatever your path of your life might be. Somebody said, hey, listen to this Bible study. Come to this church. Here, I got a music CD for you. God apprehended your heart. You come to that place of brokenness and you go, oh God, my life is all messed up. I am so glad you're in my life. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Aren't you glad heaven didn't say, too late. I'm not receiving you. No, no, no. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for us while we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sins. That Jesus, he died for the ungodly. So just as you and I were received, just as we were, now Paul says in the church, receive one another. The idea is to make room for each other, to make room for the differences in others without pushing them away, without prejudging them. Receive them, welcome them, especially if there happens to be friction because you're not the same. Receive one another in the church. Paul is calling on Christians everywhere to accept one another, treating each other with the same love and understanding that he treats us with. You see, if Jesus accepts us in the God's family, how much more should we be willing to accept each other, even with all of our weaknesses and differences? Because there are a lot. So as a believer, as you grow in the grace of God here at Calvary, as God just enlarges your heart, changes your life, you're growing in his grace. You're growing in his knowledge. You're loving the Lord. It's just so wonderful. 
It's very, very important, church, for you to lay aside any prejudice that's in your heart. That's very vital. There is no room for prejudice within the body of Jesus Christ. Not here, not there. It's very hard to lay aside prejudice for some because the world seems to feed that in our flesh. You know what prejudice is? Prejudice is a way to look down on someone. To feel higher than them. To feel better. To somehow feel better about myself because I'm not that gender. Or I'm not that race. Or I don't live on that side of the town. Or I don't dress that way. I don't look that way. I don't talk that way. I... You know, Jesus wasn't prejudiced. Even though he came to an earth that was filled with his creation that became very prejudiced. Jesus wasn't. You know, they even accused Jesus of being prejudiced himself as he ministered to the prostitutes. He ministered to the Samaritans. Remember the Samaritans? They were looked down upon, a group of people. He would minister to tax collectors and sinners, and even the religious elite of the day would put him down for that. Jesus wasn't prejudiced, and neither should we or could we be or can we be as believers. It just doesn't fit. It's just not the heart of God. You know, if you love to read and watch the news, you really need to be careful. You see, when the news puts out something, you got to understand that they already have their mind made up and they want to make your mind up too. A lot of the news stories that come out today, you need to be careful with. You need to be discerning with the discernment of the Lord because they're not really necessarily news stories as they are editorials. And you know, it can engender prejudice in your heart. I'll give you a great example. When the idea of Muslims getting saved is mentioned, how do you feel? Well, if you watch the news, you would think that, hey, all that's going on in the Middle East right now and all with the troops out there, it's just all for nothing. And yet, God is using, right now, in his sovereignty, the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. We've had many from our church come back and forth to create an environment of freedom. So much so that before... Ten years ago, there were three evangelical churches in Iraq. Today, there are over 20 with pastor's conferences going on right now to reach the Muslims. Like God is at work in the Middle East. But you wouldn't hear that from the news. You wouldn't hear that in the mainstream media. God is at work among people groups. Even people groups that, man, what they're doing, it's so hard to, man, what do you, what do you think? You know, those ex, this extremist part of, of that religion, what are you doing? But you know, God, he wants to see them saved. That's the solution. God wants to see them saved. And you need to be very, very careful with how perhaps you were raised. What has been put into your heart that isn't from the Lord? I can tell you personally, I'm not very proud of it. But before I was saved, I was very prejudiced. For absolutely no reason at all. My parents weren't like that. I wasn't raised that way. That wasn't the environment of my home. But I was an extremely prejudiced man. Young man. I would look down on people for all... I would find reasons to look down on people. To pick on people. And like Peter said, man, those things in my past I'm ashamed of. But you know what? God can change a person. He can change a heart. He can change an attitude. He can change a perspective to where today I'm so thankful that God has opened up my eyes to the value of people. I don't care where you came from, what you're dealing with, what the color of your skin is, or what's going on in your home. You know what? Like God, I want to do what he said. He says, you know, 
Man looks on the outside, but God, he looks where? At the heart. That's, my, that's where I want to be. Because I know when I'm there, God's there. I know that when I'm there, man, that's where the place of freedom is. Not judging people from the outside, but in grace receiving one another. You know, you may be sitting right here in the sanctuary at one time or another. And you might be sitting next to someone that just reeks of alcohol. And you're like, what is he doing here? Why did he come to church drunk? Doesn't he know? And I'm like, where else do you want him to go? Where else should he be? I mean, where is it that God's going to really reach down in a place of love and joy? And re- I mean, where else would you want him to go? Oh, a little bit of prejudice going on. A little bit of things going on in your heart that, like, you know, we find out somebody's drunk here. We, we want to find out. We want to give them a ride home. I'll tell you that. That's n- number one. Make sure they don't drive home. Make sure that on the ride home we're sharing the gospel, we're ministering to them. Because for someone to be so in bondage to alcohol and yet have such a desire to meet with God, we need to intervene, man. We need to be there for them. You might be sitting next to someone, you know, that, that like is in the throes of prostitution. I mean, that's their life. And that's it. And you're like, what a disgusting thing to do. How could you sell your body? How? Yeah, you know, it's disgusting on the outside. How do you think she feels or how do you think he feels in the midst of it on the inside? Where else would they go? We need to be in an environment. We need to have an environment here that says, you know what? You're welcome here. You are welcome among the believers. You don't have to fit into some mold. You don't have to dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way. You just need to come to Jesus and I hope we take you there. I hope that our hearts are soft enough that we're not caught up trying to judge you on the outside and looking on the outside. I'll tell you, if, if having difficult people in the room with you is hard for you, then you might just be in the wrong church because this place is always going to be filled with a down and out. It's always going to be filled with people that need a tangible touch of Jesus, even though their lives are a mess. But you know what our hope is? Our hope is that their lives will not be a mess anymore. Our hope that Jesus will touch them and their lives will change. And then what they walked in here with becomes a testimony. That's who I was. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. But you and I, we have to, well, we have to deal with any prejudice we might be carrying around. We need to embrace what God is doing among us. I mean, so you have a hard time with those kind of people sitting around you. Okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to find a church that says, you know what? No sinners allowed. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty sad. What, where does that come from? You're like, we're just going to have a little holy huddle and, you know, we'll interview you and make sure you fit here. Hey, look, if Jesus brought you here, you're welcome here. We love you in the Lord. You're accepted here. And you're accepted... Not to continue to live in sin and do great damage. No, no, no. No, you need to have an encounter with the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to protect a flock here. And the shepherds and the leaders here are here to guard the flock. So if you come here and you want to cause trouble, that, no, 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 that's not going to happen. But if you're coming here because you genuinely want help with things going on in your life, you're welcome here. The Lord wants to work in your life. Striking an important balance between being receptive and protective. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. We'll pick up right here next time with this challenge to receive sinners and protect the saints. 
If you'd like to hear this message again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can subscribe to the Abounding Grace podcast there, too, at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app, which is another great way to listen to Pastor Ed. Just search for Calvary Aurora. Each month, we pick out a book that we think can really help your walk with the Lord. And here in August, it's The Third Option by Miles McPherson. It's not hard to see that racial tension is high in America today. And maybe you're wondering, is there hope for a racially divided nation? I'm glad to say there is. In The Third Option, Pastor Miles shares what that is and encourages the reader to rise above the issues that divide us and be part of something bigger. You'll also be challenged to fully embrace God's goodness and power. To get a copy of The Third Option for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And we also want to remind you that we are listener-supported. Abounding Grace airs all across the nation on stations like this one. But in order to do this, we look to our listeners to help cover the costs. You can make a secure donation on our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Just click on Donate. Or if you'd rather call, here's the number 877-30-GRACE. Join us next time as we study through Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor and learn of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.